Hello, Pastor Lisa Bates Froyland here from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to our third season of the Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast. The first two seasons used an interview format to explore the pandemic lives of several wonderful people connected to the ministry of our small, diverse, and mighty city congregation. This season, we wanted to offer a more portable way to take in the weekly preaching and music at Redeemer. Listen, as I do, to tons of podcasts while driving, walking my dog Titus, folding laundry, washing dishes, you get the picture. For the fall months of 2022, join us for our series, Peter, Paul, and Mary, as we follow the scriptural impact of three early Christian figures, Peter the Rock, Paul the Pen, and Mary Magdalene, the Tower of Our Faith Tradition. There is a narrative arc to these three months and perhaps some surprising twists and turns along the way, leading us to deeper questions about the decisions that were made along the way that have left us with the church in its current form. Not only that, but perhaps in these past leaders, we might see a way forward. And now, here's the sermon. Welcome to today's episode in our fall series, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Today is our third week with Peter, one of the first disciples that was called away from his fishing enterprise to follow Jesus. Don't worry if you miss the earlier sermons on Peter. They do stand alone, and also you can see them on the YouTube channel. Um, Sermon and a song are there, and now, just this past week, we decided to release all of them as the third season of our Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast. So if you would like to listen to the sermon and the key song of the day as a podcast, you can look for that as well. There's a link on the website, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, and so on. Don't we sound so up-to-date and with the times? (laughs) Well, let's go back in time then. To recap quickly, Uh, The first week, Jesus comes alongside the shore of the Sea of Galilee and sees four men fishing. Peter is among them, and he just comes right up, looks him in the eye, and says, follow me. And Peter does. We also visited the moment where Peter said definitively, I know who you are. You are the Messiah, the promised Son of God. And then Jesus says, Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Then moments later, Peter tries to talk Jesus out of going to Jerusalem to face execution and rise from the dead. And then Jesus calls him Satan for trying to tempt him away from his mission. That all happened. (laughs) Last week, we looked at how though Peter was super close to Jesus and the ministry all along the way, Under the intense strain of Jesus' arrest in Jerusalem, Peter denies any connection to Jesus when three different people ask him. Part of the reason we use the three bell tolls there. Because then, in this chapter that gets tacked on to the end of the Gospel of John, John 21, we have this scene that we revisited today where Jesus hears from Peter a threefold, I love you, I love you, I love you. And although we might have thought with all those denials on the day of the arrest 
that Jesus would revoke that whole founding my church on you business. Instead, he says, after I love you from Peter, an even deeper call to discipleship. Feed my sheep, tend the flock, following Jesus in a whole new way with greater responsibility than ever. So you're caught up. When I was doing a little bit of study for this sermon today, I came across a clever uh, theologian and scholar who, I wish this had been the title, calls Peter an exuberant goober. (laughs) An exuberant goober, Peter. And that's what our three stories are about today, exuberant gooberishness. He decides he's going to walk on the water too and ask Peter to prove, ask, Peter asks Jesus to prove that he's Jesus. Second, on that transfiguration mountaintop, he sees Moses, Elijah, and Jesus and says, I got to build something. And then third, with the resurrected Jesus on the shore, he gets out of the boat again. Was he naked? Where was he going? The fact remains, he did something in the moment that no one else did in any of those cases. I could have added that in the gospel accounts of Luke and John, it's Peter who's named as the one who pulls out the sword and slices off an ear. So we found the church on an exuberant goober? Really? Why not someone who didn't ever deny Jesus, who actually stood by Jesus at the cross, the last one there, who watched at the tomb, who was the first one there on Easter Sunday and the first one to share the incredible news that Jesus had arisen from the dead. Peter was not that one. Someone else we will be learning about that fall was that apostle. And yet, and I'm just going to leave those breadcrumbs right there for now, for an upcoming episode. For now, let's ponder this exuberant goober and impulsive faith kind of stuff. I wonder if you're thinking to yourself, have I ever been an impulsive, exuberant goober in my own journey of faith? Did I make promises to God that I could not keep? I know of many who have had crises in their life that call them to fall on their knees to pray when they haven't done it for decades or maybe ever. And they make a promise like, God, if you deliver me out of this mess, I will go to church every single Sunday, something like that. I've heard it many times. Well, then things happen, and you're not there every Sunday. Does that mean that that initial impulse was somehow wrong or wrong-headed? That's kind of the question on the table right now. What does it mean when we impulsively jump into being a disciple of Jesus, acting on the faith that we feel in our hearts that day, even if it might not continue with us day in and day out. The key to understanding what to think about an impulsive faith is, as always in Christianity, to look to Jesus Christ. Because in truth, at its best and its most faithful, 
The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. So while I have invited us to first focus on Peter's gooberishness this Sunday, it's far more helpful and faithful to focus on what Jesus is doing and saying. So if you look at your bulletin, I actually underlined what Jesus is doing and saying in response to each of these things. When Peter becomes anxious about walking on the water and he begins to sink, Jesus reaches out his hand and catches Peter immediately. Yes, he says, you of little faith, but what does he do? He catches Peter. And when Peter, James, and John are overcome by fear with all those dazzling figures and the voice from the cloud atop the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus comes and touches them and says, get up, don't be afraid. And in this story in John 21, Jesus stands on the beach watching all of the frenetic activity in that boat. Where are the fish? We'll put it over here. Peter, can I pause for a moment of nerdiness here? To t- <laughs> because this is a weird story, right? It's, it's really kind of strange. Why would he be naked fishing? So it's, <laughs> right? We gotta talk about this. Um, so if you look at the original Greek, as, as I did, and I follow some scholars on this, That word naked really means not with all of his clothes on, okay? So he would have been wearing an undergarment if he was warm. But it would have been totally strange, even back then, for him to be completely nude fishing alongside his brothers and associates. So he probably just had his kind of underclothes on. And then why does he put something on to jump into the boat? Well, there's a clue in the scriptures. They're only 100 yards offshore, And the part of the lake that we know this happened in is very shallow. So he puts this on because he's on his way to walk into the shore, hauling the net with him. Now here's an open question. Is he jumping into the water, putting on his overcoat first, um, just so he has it with him, to speed over to see Jesus? Many people think so. But what if because this is the only book of the gospel where he doesn't weep bitterly after denying Jesus, maybe he's still embarrassed and not ready to see Jesus yet. So he jumps in the water not to haul in, but instead to keep himself busy with the nets a while until he can get himself together. That's what I think the leading authority now thinks. He jumps in the water to help pull the net ashore. The rest of them stay in the boat while the boat goes ashore. So there you have it. (laughs) Not completely naked, jumping in to help get the the nets ashore. It's still impulsive though. Nobody else jumped into the water, just Peter. It's still an impulsive, exuberant move by a goober named Peter. All right, so where was I? (laughs) When Peter freaks out, Jesus does not. Jesus not only is standing rooted on the beach, he's going to make them breakfast. And if that's not the most calm and compassionate thing a person can do, I don't know what is. He's going to make them breakfast. 
Jesus responds in all of these cases with compassion and calm. And I base my own hope, proven again and again over time, that Jesus responds to this disciple's exuberant gooberishness with the very same thing, compassion and calm. Reaching out to catch me, encouraging me not to be afraid, and standing grounded when I flail around. Can we say, though, that Jesus never freaked out? Nope. Rash words and actions in the moment? Are you thinking of an example? When Jesus became very upset to the point of being enraged and he topped over some tables? He was so worried, he was so upset in that moment about the way that the poor were treated in the temple. That's what caused Jesus to have a freak-out moment. At Redeemer, the way that we treat people who are struggling economically, spiritually, or both, is as good as we can, given what we have. The fearless and faithful campaign that we've been talking about to make it easier to get around the building, to have a new kitchen so that we can prepare a good meal for people, all of those things are about doing it even better. To provide good food, to provide shelter when people are burned out of their apartments in this neighborhood, all with dignity and with honor consistently. We don't do that because we are good people. We are not consistently good people any one of us. We do this because we follow a good shepherd. We feed and tend the flock, giving glory to God in that way. I'm wearing a cross this morning. It's a red Serbian Orthodox cross. And initially I just picked it out because I have a red stripe in my skirt and it matched. But the more, the more I thought about it, the more I realize that this is a story I want to tell today. This cross is not mine. It was not given to me. It was given to my husband, David, by a woman named Linda. And one noon hour, when they were both working in an office environment, David heard a strange noise, and he didn't know what it was. And so he ran immediately to find the source of the noise. And the source of the noise was Linda who is struggling to have a few last gasps of air before she went completely out, completely out, no heartbeat, no breathing. And David, because of who knows what, began CPR for Linda and kept her alive that way for 11 minutes until the ER people got all the way up to the 40th floor and could take her away. It's astonishing that she lived. And she lived and decided that this red cross was the very best way that she could think of to say thank you to David, because this is what they have in common. This Jesus Christ who died and came to life again 
and they're bonded together because of that shared faith. And so his impulsivity in that moment made it possible for this cross to be around my neck this morning. We may want to make fun of Peter, but I think it's okay to have an impulsive faith, to be an exuberant goober. We know that by looking at how Jesus responded to Peter in each of these situations, it's okay to have an impulsive faith that's not all the way thought through. It's far better than doing nothing, isn't it? Far better than delaying any response to a need right in front of our faces through endless bureaucratic processes. There's a reason they call that soul-sucking, right? From my soul, I thank Jesus for reaching out to catch us when we're sinking. Maybe we feel like we're sinking this morning. Maybe we're sinking because of some of our own rash decisions. Maybe we're sinking because something has come from who knows where that we have to deal with. Jesus, you could have let us go under, but you're there to pull us up. Thank you, Jesus, for offering a compassionate word to calm our fears and anxiety. You could reject us for not being brave enough, and you never do. You never do. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us where to find what we need. You could have let us keep searching in all the wrong places. Thank you, Jesus, for staying near a bunch of exuberant goobers like us. Thank you for your steady ways of holding and shepherding the impulsive fits and starts of our attempts at faith. Amen.
And there you have it, a sermon and a song. Hope you are inspired, fortified, challenged by these podcasts, and also willing to donate to support our ministry in the heart of Milwaukee. Online, go to www.redeemermilwaukee.org. An old-fashioned paper check means no fees for you or for me. Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. That's Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. Until next time, may our gracious God increase your hope, strengthen your faith, deepen your capacity for love, and grant you peace. Uh-huh.